Well, let me say happy Easter to you, your family, whether you're watching it with friends or even by yourself. I want to welcome you to The Bridge. My name is Kenny, I'm one of the pastors, and it means so much to us that you would give us a few moments of your time to celebrate what we believe is the greatest moment in human history. This moment, the death and resurrection of Jesus, gives hope to all of us. It's a reminder that we serve a God who brings dead things to life even to this day. Now, what I also love about Easter is we all come with different beliefs and it's an opportunity for us to share with everyone and hopefully, hopefully explain why we believe what we believe about this significant event that took place 2,000 years ago. You see, many people have different beliefs about life itself. Uh, belief option number one would be this that I'm somewhere on this planet and there is this thing, this line called life, and this line has tragedies involved in it, it has heartbreaking moments involved in it, but it also has these incredible moments of life as well that I laugh and I celebrate with friends and there are times I want to remember for the rest of my life. And of course there are things I've done in this life that I'm not proud of. Uh, there are things I've done that I don't want anyone to know about, that I'm ashamed of, guilty of, and I know it. Now, I've also done some good things in life, and those things could be helping other people, loving certain people, or just doing good deeds throughout the day. And those things I am proud of. But at the end of the life, it kind of ends up a lot like the Avengers, right? If you saw the movie where people just fade away. Uh, this life is a one-stop shop. It's all that there is, and there's nothing more after. And whether you just become warm dirt or somehow join the universe and the atoms thereof, that's just one option that many people actually believe. So make the most out of this life because it's all you have. There's option number two. Another belief that some people have is very similar and that I've done some bad things, done some good things, and maybe I've had some spiritual moments along the way, but the ending is different in that if my bad deeds outweigh my good deeds, well, that that doesn't bid well for me because I go to this place called hell, some type of torture chamber or, and whatever it consists of is just not a place I want to go. Or if I've been good enough, then I get to go to a, a place called heaven and that's where you really want to go and to be with loved ones and friends who of course they're there because they were good people, right? And so that's where I want to go. And that's another view. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, that's my view. Well, um, I love you um, very much, uh, but that's not the good news of Easter. It's just not. That there's so many holes in that view. Of course, the biggest problem with that view is what Jesus taught. Another big problem with that view is the Bible itself. And so what I would love to do for the next few moments is tell you why Easter is good news. What makes it good news? Not just for what happened 2,000 years ago, what we believe about the cross and the tomb and the resurrection, but what makes it good news for you and for me right now? You know, if you were to open up to the book of Mark, Mark was a guy who interviewed people, who talked to so many people about what Jesus did, what he, what he said, that he actually wrote several of the stories down in the teachings of Jesus, and it's so fascinating. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, here's what it says. This 
is the good news of Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah. Now, it starts out with, this is the good news. So if you wanted to know what's the good news of Jesus and what's the good news about Easter, I'm suggesting Mark. Read the book of Mark. And we think, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Okay, surely verse 2 involves hell, right? Because that's my belief, and I, I don't want to go there. No, verse 2 actually has nothing to do with hell. As a matter of fact, Mark chapter 1, verse 2 says this. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. It's interesting, he says, it began. And it began several years ago, 100 years ago. And so what we find in the book of Mark, the good news about Jesus is actually a story that's been taking place for a really, really long time. It, it, it's like this rushing river that in our moment of life that we have, we get an opportunity to just jump in. And it's a current that has been moving and it's strong and it's fluid and people are jumping in. Some are choosing not to. And, this is where it begins. So if we really want to know the good news of Jesus, we have to start at the beginning, which is so fascinating because this leads us to belief number three. In Genesis chapter one, verse one, the very first verse in the first book on the first page of the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Surely verse two mentions hell. Nope. Not even mentioned, not in the first paragraph of the Bible, not in the first page of the Bible, not in the first chapter of the Bible. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. God created this heaven kind of place on earth, not away from earth. And in this place that God created, he said over and over in Genesis chapter 1, it is good. Why? Because everything God does is good. He is a good God, even though life is not. God is always good. And when you read it in Hebrew, there's like this poem and this flow to it. Uh, God made and it was good. God said and it was good. God said and it was good. God made and it was good. God made and it was good. God made. Everything God made was heavenly good on earth. And then he chose to make the pinnacle of his creation human beings. And human beings entered the picture and they experienced on earth heaven with their heavenly father. They were able to walk with God, talk with God. And it was beautiful. There was peace. There was no guilt, no shame, no regrets. It was joy and happiness and fulfillment for human beings. And then disaster happened. In chapter 3, humans chose to do their own thing. And it's like heaven left earth. And now earth is becoming marred. It's becoming skewed. And so is the mind and the thought of the way the human brain would work. And, and now man would turn inward instead of looking to God for the answers and the definitions to life itself. They would make up what was good and what was not good. And God, we don't need you. We're going to be okay. And how many people are there on the planet now? Seven billion, pushing eight. And can you imagine what the earth looks like now with all of our sin, with all of our choices against God? And hell still hasn't entered the picture on the pages of the Bible 
but hell has definitely entered our planet. Because what you read in the story is hell now is not this place of existence, somewhere away from earth. We find hell starting to take its place on earth by how we treat one another. It's how a father would, would belittle and abuse his children. It's how a mom would be addicted to whatever and it would flesh itself out relationally with her children. And so we find children living in hell. We find couples experiencing hell with one another. There's no peace. There's no joy. There's no laughter. And now we have not only human beings within a household experiencing a hellish type of a life. Now we have communities against communities. We have cities against cities. We have states against states. We have nations against nations. So when we read in Scripture what we discover, hell is not a place where people go when they die. It's just so part of the story. It's that we experience it day in and day out because we have refused to follow the heaven or the kingdom that God desires for us to live in. Thus now go back to Mark chapter 1 verse 15. Jesus enters the scene and here's what Jesus actually says. The time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Repent, turn from your sins, and believe the, here it is, the good news. Now this is so fascinating because when Jesus talks about the good news, Jesus doesn't believe good news happens later on in eternity when you die. Jesus is speaking of some type of good news that is here, that is now. What is the good news that Jesus believes is on the scene? The kingdom of God. See, this is so great. Good news is not something that exists somewhere else. Good news is something that has come to us. This is amazing. So Jesus believes this. Jesus believed this so much that it was God stepping into our hellish earth that we have created to bring his own kingdom. And he would bring life and hope and love and healing and restoration. And, and, and I love this because when you continue reading in the book of Mark, this is exactly what you see happen. Uh, Jesus, the, one of the first miracles you read about in the book of Mark is Jesus was at, at the synagogue, which would be like their church of the day. And a man who had a demon in him. Imagine that church service. That's a little different for all of us, I think. But this man who had a demon in him comes and Jesus actually rescues this man from the demon. Interesting thought. And in rescuing this gentleman, he gives this gentleman back his life. Jesus wasn't showing up on the scene to take people's life from them. He shows up on the scene to give life to people who've actually lost life. And word got out. People had never seen anything like this before. And the Bible says they were amazed in a way they've never been amazed before. So word starts spreading and Jesus keeps bringing life and hope and healing and now you have these little pockets of the kingdom of God spreading as Jesus is on move and on mission and every now and then read it in the book of Mark after a couple of these miracles he would look at people and go follow me just come follow me yeah but what I've done hey hey 
Just follow me. That's all I'm asking you to do. There's a different way to live. Join the river that's in motion. And it's one of life and not death. So you also find in Mark, when you keep, we're only in the first chapter, that Simon Peter's mother-in-law is sick. She has some kind of fever. Maybe it's the first outbreak of COVID. We don't know, but Jesus actually goes and heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. What happens? Word gets out. There's this man who gives life to dead things. There is a man who gives healing to those who feel completely hopeless and need help in life. And Jesus begins spreading this little kingdom of God on this planet that we live on. The, one of the last miracles in chapter one of Mark is this leper comes up to Jesus who should have never been around a holy man like Jesus himself. It was forbidden. He should have been yelling from a distance to keep his distance because of the condition that he was in. But he fell at the feet of Jesus. And it's so fascinating. The Bible says in Mark that Jesus looked at him and had compassion on him. And he healed him. And what did the man do? The man spread the word everywhere about Jesus. And in Mark chapter 1, here's what you discover. The disciples come to Jesus one early morning and they said, everybody in this community is looking for you. And Jesus responds, I know. I came to bring good news, but we can't stay here. We got to hit every community we can. That's what Easter is all about. It's about Jesus showing up and entering an individual's world that is experiencing hell. And it's not to rescue them from hell. It's to get the hell out of them so they can experience life right now, not when they die. And here's what you discover is so fascinating, that Jesus would begin almost taking on what that individual was experiencing. He would enter the moment with them and weep with them and cry with them and sit down with them and listen to them and then offer them a life they've never experienced before. And you see this happening over and over in, in communities and in groups with individual conversations that he has. And it was like he was setting everyone up for something. And that's exactly what he was doing. You know, the Bible says this, Jesus said this. He said, I've come, this is why I came, to passionately pursue you and to offer healing and wholeness for anyone who feels lost. He came that if there's any area of your life that doesn't feel alive, He came to bring it to life. Any area of your life that feels broken, He came to bring healing. And you see this in His ministry. And this is why we celebrate this entire week, is because on this one final day, His answer to humanity would be to absorb the hell we have created ourselves, not God, but ourselves and how we've treated one another and how others have treated us and the scars all over us that people cannot even see and the wounds we carry so deep within our heart and our soul that he would show up to say, give me those, give me those. And he would absorb this train wreck moment 
of all of human history of how we so abused one another on himself to pay for what we've done to God, to each other, and to ourselves personally. So that on the cross, you could see a picture of him. And it's such a dichotomy of one who's dying, yet giving life in the same moment. The crown of thorns would represent the curse on humanity. Why would he take on the curse of humanity? So you could experience the blessings of God. That his his feet and his hands would be pierced. Why would they be pierced? So you could find healing from the things that have pierced you in your life. They would take a spear and push it through his side and it would actually puncture his heart. Why would he take the spear? Because anything that has broken your heart, now you can find healing because of the brokenness he has experienced with his body. There's healing and wholeness that you can find in your life. Do you see it? And then God's final statement to this hell that we experience so many times in our life is that Jesus would come back to life. Why? To show you and to show the world that heaven is not somewhere you go. Heaven exists for you right now. The offer on the table is just like he came to life. He reaches and extends his hand to say, if you want life, I know where to find it. It is in me. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything good about your life. But I'm coming, and I have come, that you would have life and have it to the full. See, it's not just a message and a story of resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago. This happens every day in people's life. That's why I'm excited for you to hear the story of my friend, Ron Bradshaw. Listen to this. You know, my whole you know, life reading the Bible, all the Bible stories, I was, I want to see the Red Sea part. You know, I, I, I want to see somebody from the dead raise up. I want to see a miracle. And, and I never really understood that a miracle was right in my house. I met my wife at the girl that I was dating at the Times house. <laughs> If you hear me say it, you know, she fell in love with me that day. It, that's not the truth. Our family, I have with two boys and, and a, a girl. Our oldest is a girl, so. And uh, we've been married 33 years. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> 87? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 33 years. I did the math. <laughs> Well, in 2011, we got to a point um, in our marriage where our, our marriage was over. Um, it was uh, a lot of things that, uh, that I was doing that, that were not appropriate, and my wife had had enough. And, uh, you know, I could look in her eyes, and it was tough. You know, I looked in her eyes, and there was nothing there. I'm a doer. So I thought I could fix it. You know, I could fix it within my own power. If I just put enough effort in it, if I made enough dinners, if I, you know, that I could do it. You know, because I figured if I could love her, it would work out. You know, there was no hope. I had people in my life saying, it's over. It got to a point where I moved out at, at her request. She filed for divorce. 
Um, we were moving towards that. And I just got to a point where I knew I couldn't do anything. And I just said, you know, I can't do anything. And at that point, um, things started changing. It's a lot easier to see it now than, than it was in the middle of it. Um, and God was so faithful. He put incredible people in my life. Friends, family, you know, um, that gave me such godly advice and, and started turning my focus into the, the, the right things. Yeah, you'd love to say that Jesus saved my marriage overnight, you know, and it was Shazam and everything was good. And my wife said, you know, I understand, I forgive you and everything. This was a process and it was a long process. And, and it was a little bit, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. God changed my heart and, and showed me things through this process about how I'm, I'm supposed to be, period. Not just the husband I'm supposed to be, but the person I'm supposed to be. I started seeing my wife with with a different eyes, you know, and a different heart. I, I wake up in the morning, I see her, I just like, I'm very lucky. Our marriage is a great example that it's never, ever, ever dead. Because there was there wasn't a spark. There was nothing. And now I mean our marriage is everything I, I want it to be. And I look forward to however much longer we have together. See, it happens to people every single day. You know, you say, well, how, how does the story end? It's a really good question. When you, when you read the last pages of Scripture, you actually discover that Jesus and the kingdom of His Father, God's kingdom, expands so much that at the end of time, when God says it's time for a new kingdom to completely take over, that's exactly what happens on planet Earth. God's kingdom reigns and rules and death is no more it has no more victory i love the way the bible puts it here's what it says oh death where is your victory and oh death where is your sting for sin is the sting that results in death but thank god he gives us victory over sin and death through our lord jesus christ so my dear brothers and sisters be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So what you do now really does matter. But not to go to heaven one day. <laughs> it's to live in His kingdom of heaven right now. That you and I join this river of life that started so long ago. So that now where we go, we extend life and mercy and grace and forgiveness just like He has shown us. And it's through His death and resurrection that we experience death to our old life and new life in Him. And we experience what He so longed for us to have when it all started, peace and hope and healing and comfort. You know, I don't, I don't know how this message has landed on your heart today. But there is one verse in the Bible that summarizes 
everything of what this weekend is about. It's a familiar verse, and it's John 3:16. For God so loved the world, that was a wreck. That was a complete mess. That was so evil, he still loved it. That he put an offer on the table. That whoever would believe in him would not perish. The word perish doesn't mean when you die, it means right now. It's like this water that bangs up against the cliff over and over. Perish means it just finally wastes away. That for the person who believes in him, that believes this message that Jesus is the hope for your life, that their world, their purpose, their significance, their marriage, their, their life would not waste away in this life. Believes in him would not perish but they would have everlasting life that starts right now. And that's the offer that Jesus gives to you. What about hell? When you read the last pages, hell is simply a place that God honors anyone's decision because he loves them. That if you don't want to be a part of my kingdom, you don't have to be part of my kingdom. And because of I want to give you dignity, and because I've made you and I love you, you have that choice to not be a part of what I have been doing and what I will do for all of eternity. And so the option on the table, jump in the river of life with him today. Or maybe believe, number one, that you just stop existing. Option number two, hope that you're good enough one day or belief number three, that you join the rest of us who believe. We were never good enough, so He came to us, and He paid for all of our wrongdoings that would separate us from Him. And through His death and resurrection, He bridged the gap to say to us, come alive. I want you to do life with me, not just when you die, but starting right now. And join me in changing this world maybe one last time. If that's the decision you want to make today, I want to lead you. Bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are. And if that's you, just tell him, say, Oh God, I want to join you in life today. So to do that, I admit all of my wrongdoings. You've seen them all. But I believe that you came to get the hell out of me. So today I say yes to you. I believe that your son paid for my sin came back to life for me. And the best way I know how, I surrender to Him as the Lord of my life, the friend of sinners I welcome into my life. Thank you for rescuing me from me today. In your name I pray, amen.